Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church Essentials Podcast with your host, Senior Pastor John Sauer. This week, Pastor John will walk us through part one on the essential doctrine of the Trinity. Thanks for joining us today. About 10 years ago, I remember watching the comedian Bill Maher. He's a comedian who's known for being antagonistic to religion, specifically with the Christian faith, but all religions in general. But about 10 years ago, as a Christian, I was watching this comedian known to be antagonistic to faith, and I was watching him do this bit on how the central Christian story doesn't make sense. Now, Maher, he didn't use the phrase, the Trinity, but what he talked about was many of the questions and the tensions that gave rise to the doctrine of the Trinity. He talked about the way in which Jesus and God the Father were one and yet distinct and how that just didn't make any sense to him. He talked about how God the Father and Jesus would communicate with each other, yet we're supposed to be the same. He was talking about the Trinity, and he was using the ways in which the Trinity doesn't make sense to mock Christian faith. I would concede to Mar, and in the moment I did concede to him, that the Trinity, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the patterns of the world that we see. And what the Trinity tells us about God, it doesn't line up with our experience of the world. But where I would disagree with Mar is that I think that that is a feature of the Trinity. I think that the mystery that the doctrine of the Trinity enshrines at the center of our faith is the point of the Trinity. And rather than being something that should make us run away from Christian faith, the mystery that is there at the center of the doctrine of the Trinity is what should help us feel more comfortable with the Christian faith. Because that mystery, that actually reflects the nature of the world that we experience. So, welcome to Stonebridge Essentials. I'm Pastor John, the senior pastor of Stonebridge Community Church. And in this podcast series, over the next three summers, we are planning on focusing on three essential beliefs as defined by the theologian John Calvin hundreds of years ago, three essential beliefs of Christian faith. And the first of those is the doctrine of the Trinity. The first of those is this mysterious doctrine that doesn't make sense to the outside world. Non-Christians cite the Trinity as one of the biggest hang-ups for embracing Christian faith. But it also doesn't make sense to most Christians. One of the arguments that I will be making through the course of this podcast series is what I just stated earlier. The mystery inherent in the Trinity. The ways in which it doesn't make sense. The ways in which it doesn't line up with our experience of the world. That is actually a feature of the doctrine of the Trinity. And my hope is that by the end of this podcast series, we'll understand why upholding a belief that we can't fully explain is important, 
And not only will we understand that, but we will take comfort in the fact that we can't fully explain this doctrine of the Trinity. So I invite you to join with me on this journey over the next few weeks here as we reflect on the doctrine of the Trinity. And let's begin by addressing just a really basic question. What is the doctrine of the Trinity? What is it that we're talking about when we say the Trinity or the doctrine of the Trinity? Well, the term doctrine, it just means teaching. It's a statement of a belief or a teaching that the church upholds. And in the doctrine of the Trinity, in its most basic form, it states that God, as revealed in Scripture, in the Bible, is three and is one at the same time. That there are three distinct persons in God. We use the terms commonly Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You'll also see the language of Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. But that there are three distinct persons in the Trinity. And yet those three distinct persons are all of one essence. It's as though you'd be able to create two other versions of yourself that are all the same essence as you, but yet are somehow distinct. Right away, when I say that, we understand, of course, the Trinity doesn't make sense. It doesn't reflect what we see in the world. This isn't how personalities work commonly. We don't see human beings that are three and one at the same time. And the Trinity, that phrase Trinity, it is true that it's not found in the scriptures. And because it's not found explicitly in the scriptures, the phrase Trinity, many have said that that isn't accurate. The doctrine of the Trinity is an extra biblical doctrine that uh, the implication then is that it should be ignored. While the Trinity is extra biblical, it can't be ignored. And it didn't just develop by accident. The Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, it developed over hundreds of years. And it was Christians reflecting on scripture and trying to make sense of the expression of God that they saw in scripture, of how God worked in the scriptures. Christians were responding to that. And that's how we got the doctrine of the Trinity. So while it might not be explicitly in scripture, the ideas of the Trinity, that threeness, that oneness of God is right there in the scriptures. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the doctrine of the Trinity. God is three and God is one. We can't fully explain that, but we still affirm it and we still believe it. And I think that it is critical right now in today's world that Christians pause from all the other things that we've been debating over, arguing over, wrestling with, that we pause and we return to these essentials at least for a season. That we return to doctrines like the Trinity because I think that doctrines of the Trinity and the three essentials that John Calvin laid out, I think that those are the way forward for the church in an incredibly divided time. Because the truth is that theology really matters. We might try to set it aside. We might try to 
say theology isn't that important, but it really does matter. Bad theology has led to catastrophic mistakes from the church. I think back to the example of the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer has become famous in recent years, and rightly so. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian who opposed the Nazi regime. And early on, Bonhoeffer looked around in Germany, where he was, and he saw that the churches around him, by and large, they were supportive of the Nazi regime. And he wondered, how could that happen? He tried to be a prophetic voice. He ended up losing his life because he participated in an assassination attempt, um, or at least a plot, not even an attempt, but a plot to assassinate Hitler. Bonhoeffer eventually did lose his life. But what he saw before that point, when Christians in Germany were embracing the Nazi church, what he saw was that they had abandoned actual Christian theology. That because they had become so involved in the politics of their day, because they had embraced this idea that God was reflected best in the German people and in the German nation, Bonhoeffer saw many pastors abandon the message of the scriptures, abandon the historical theology of the church, and embrace this theology that just supported the nation of Germany. Because they had bad theology, this nationalistic theology could creep in. That was a distortion of God that made God more German than biblical. And all of a sudden, pastors, ministers, elders in churches started supporting some of the most unbiblical, demonic policies that any government has ever established. Theology matters a great deal. And witnesses like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others who have watched as churches stood by and replaced biblical theology with pride in power, those witnesses would tell us theology very much matters. And specifically with the doctrine of the Trinity, I think it matters because the more we acknowledge that we can't understand the fullness of the Trinity, the more humility that should create inside each and every one of us. In order to perform horrendous acts, people need to feel certain about what they believe. But when it comes to the Trinity, none of us can be certain about the details of this, this doctrine. And that should cause us to have humility, to second-guess ourselves, to re realize that we're all reflecting on Scripture, we're all responding to Scripture, and we don't all have it figured out, and we can't have it all figured out. I think oftentimes bad theology results from a desire for certainty. And certainty becomes an idol for us. We think that if we have certainty in what we believe, then we can rest, we can relax. We don't have to question things anymore. We don't have to wrestle with anything and we can just move forward. And we don't want other people raising questions anymore because we are certain. But that certainty, that can lead us down dangerous paths. 
And I think the Trinity is so important because at the center of our faith, we have established mystery. And that should give us humility. I think the Trinity is also important for us to reflect on because right now in the United States, the church is so incredibly divided. And it's divided over issues that are very important, but that aren't essential to Christian faith. I think pulling us back to the essentials, it can give us a common ground, a common understanding to then work through the other issues that need to be worked through. But if we try to debate and argue all of the largely political debates that are around us that are important, I'm not saying they're not important, but if we try to debate those without the foundation of the essentials of the Christian faith, without an understanding of the Trinity, and without the humility that comes along with really embracing the Trinity, we're just going to keep dividing the church. And the last thing that our nation needs is more division. So for us here at Stonebridge, I think it's important that we study the Trinity. I think it's important that we take time to reflect on the Trinity so that we can model for this world what authentic Christian faith united together looks like. I mean, part of the Trinity is that there's three distinct persons who are united as one God, who are all of the one essence. Jesus asks that believers would be one in the same way the Father and the Son are one. We are brought up into the Trinity into that same distinction and yet sameness. And it's time for us to start modeling that for the world. So I think reflecting on the Trinity, going back to these essentials, it can help us to actually fulfill our witness as the church. And then I think that the Trinity is important for us to reflect on and for us to study, for us to spend some time on, simply because it helps us interpret scripture and it helps us understand God better. We have had Christians who have debated these tensions that arise from scripture. They debated them hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And they came to answers that we have in front of us now. So why would we not use their wisdom? Why would we not use their understanding to help us reflect on God, to help us understand the nature of God? I think that it's an asset and a benefit. And part of the beauty of being in the church is that we have these ideas like the Trinity that have been passed down to us. So let's take advantage of those. Let's take advantage of that so that we can give the world a better witness a more unified witness centered on the reality of Jesus as God, Holy Spirit as God, God the Father, the three in one. And let's point to the God that we worship and use the idea of the Trinity to be passed down to us. So that's why we're going to be spending some time on this. That's why I think that this is important. Theology matters for one. And good theology can help us avoid the mistakes of the past, the mistakes that Dietrich Bonhoeffer saw. It's also that we are divided. But a church divided is not the church that God wanted. 
A church divided is not what God hoped for from the church. And we study the Trinity because it can help us to understand God better. So, what we will be focusing on as well in this podcast series is some history. Because we have to really understand that doctrines like the Trinity, they aren't in Scripture. They are extra-biblical. They were developed by human beings in response to Scripture, and they do stand a step below Scripture in terms of importance. And it is so fascinating to me when we get to look at the history of how these doctrines did develop. I don't think that makes them any less important than they are. They are less important than Scripture, but they are still very important. And understanding the the humanness behind these doctrines, understanding the messiness behind the stories of how they developed, I think that makes them more authentic and more real to us. So specifically with the doctrine of the Trinity, one of the documents that we will be looking at is what's called the Nicene Creed. The Nicene Creed is this statement of Trinitarian belief. It was developed in the 400 or the 4th century, the 300s, and it was developed really over a period of about 80 years. And the standard story behind its development is that in the first part of the 4th century, around 320 to 325, um, there were two bishops or, or two theologians who debated each other. One was named Arius. The other one was named Athanasius. And the standard narrative goes that Arius was a heretic. Arius was claiming that Jesus was created, that Jesus was not actually part of God, but that Jesus was a human being preeminent above all human beings, essentially. That Jesus was basically the firstborn of all creation, but was created by God and was not part of the eternal essence of God. And the standard narrative says that Athanasius said, no, Jesus was part of God's essence. And that Athanasius basically beats Arius in a debate in this council. Everybody sides with Athanasius. And then they develop a a creed, the Nicene Creed, that then settles the debate for all time. That's the standard narrative behind the Nicene Creed and how the doctrine of the Trinity was developed. The problem with it is that narrative is actually not really accurate. And a hero, uh, Athanasius had been made out to be a hero. He was probably less than a hero. And Arius was actually probably less influential than he's been given credit for. Next week, we're going to be looking at the actual narrative behind the development of the Nicene Creed and behind the development of the doctrine of the Trinity. We're going to be looking at all of that messiness. We're going to be looking at how these different personalities collided. And we're going to be looking at the fact that so much of the doctrine of the Trinity and its development, it had to do with emperors as much as theologians. And as different emperors came into power, Different theologians were able to lead the church and guide the church. And how all of this played together, this messy, messy process, but it worked to eventually produce 
a, a beautiful document that can help guide us through the mysteries of the Trinity. Not explain those mysteries, but help us to talk about the mysteries in a way that's productive and helps us move forward. So I invite you to join with us next week. The episodes for this podcast series will be about 20 minutes or so um, each week. So I hope you can make 20 minutes out of your time and spend some time each week just reflecting on the Trinity and reflecting on how Christians before us have responded to Scripture so that we might better respond to Scripture also. God bless you all and hope you have a good week.